Hey, welcome to the Church Explained podcast, a conversation to grow your leadership and build your church. Today we've got an amazing guest, the whole way from the US of A, we've got Mark Kresge with us today. We've, we've said that name well, haven't we? Because he just told us how to say it. So thank you, Mark, for telling us how to say your name, Kresge. Mark was the easy bit. Kresge was the bit we were challenged on. So my name's Dave, and this is and my, uh, my host. Yeah, my name's Nathan. And um, yeah, it's so great to have uh, Mark with us. Uh, let me just share a little bit about Mark. Mark and Natalie Kresge. We're going to keep saying it because we get it right now. Um, <laughs> that's it. Uh, lead... F- Lead from a passion to see the local church empowered to advance the kingdom of God. And as founders of the collaborative project, Mark and Natalie advance the kingdom of God by serving the local church through making disciples, developing leaders and equipping families to be healthy. They have been married 11 years, have a four-year-old son called Jude. And uh, what a great name. My youngest son is called Jude. So um, what a great name. Right. And they are—they reside in Sacramento and have a love for movies, competition and sushi. So Mark, it's great to have you with us. Oh, it's an honor to be with you all. Thank you so much. Hey, yeah, thanks for being with us, Mark. We want to find out a little bit more about you, of course. We've got the, the short bio there. But come on, tell us, if you can, and for our listeners, a little bit about your your sort of route in the ministry, your story, your background, maybe stuff about uh, your family. And, and of course, we always love to ask our guests, what do you do for fun? Because sometimes leadership podcasts yeah. can be a little bit serious, and we like to, in fact, uh, impact yeah. and put a little bit of fun in there as well. Oh, absolutely. Well, uh, yeah, well, let me just say, uh, Dave, Nate, I love, I love the ministry. I love uh, the local church. Uh, it is a passion and a call. And, uh, you know, it's once upon a time, I never thought I would work in the church for the church and have a passion for the church. But uh, in 2008, I really, you know, surrendered my life to Christ and, and started that journey of just being a disciple. Uh, and that started with with a Bible college. You know, I had given my life to Jesus and uh, was living uh, a pretty, pretty rough lifestyle before coming to Christ. And so needed some major discipleship, which uh, I guess don't we all, you know, in some point. Mm-hmm. And uh, but really enjoyed uh, just a two year journey uh, in some in a theology school. Uh, it's actually where I met my wife, uh, who's from Houston, Texas. And, uh, you know, Texans are very proud of their state. And uh, mm. and so we we had an amazing uh, journey, uh, even just in that process. And in the same church that I was a part of in their Bible college, uh, they brought me on staff uh, right as I graduated. And I started serving wow. in young adult ministry. Uh, really, one of my first roles, I, I definitely thought. They didn't know what they were doing by giving me opportunities that they were giving me. Uh, but my first role was to plant young adult ministries in other churches and to collaborate with other churches and uh, serve the local church by bringing resources and training leaders and uh, being able to do that. And so I really got a deep dive into uh, some ministry world pretty quickly, uh, but fell in love with it immediately. And so I became a young adult pastor for several years uh, after that. And uh and then in the context of our ministry and organization, it was uh, Victory Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, served in ministry there, multiple capacities, as you do in church world. Uh, uh, was this the campus pastors, uh, campus pastor multiple times, planted campuses, our Bible college, really was responsible for a lot of turnaround leadership um, in, our, in our organization as we went through transitions of uh, senior lead, um, which was a, a great opportunity to just uh, help align things for the future. 
so helped in that process. I served the last seven years uh, as the assistant pastor of that church, uh, where I helped uh, a lot of the executive needs and, uh, and helping in the ministry across the board. But again, just love it. Love building local church. I uh, love launching what God does through them. So uh, that's been the journey uh, up to this point. Um, we just transitioned uh, from that ministry, which we, we love, are still our best friends. And uh, we launched the Collaborative Project, and uh, we can talk a little bit more about that. But uh, what we do for fun, uh, I would say, is, man, anything competition. So uh, I try to keep it healthy, but uh, it could be anything from football to basketball to board games uh, to rock, paper, scissors. I mean, whatever it is, we love competition. And uh, I try to be a good sport about it uh, whenever I do. (laughs) I'd say that. And then... uh, movie probably movies entertainment you know we love just a good movie and uh, my wife and i and uh, so i'd say entertainment is another uh i'm a movie guy big movie guy so super fun we we may pick that up a little bit later on (laughs) in the podcast and uh let's take a little bit um the real serious question are you a sore loser you you know i'm gonna be honest with you (laughs) there are moments (laughs) where i have to ask the holy spirit to help me yeah yeah Uh, i can sense that you can sense it. Yes, you just heard that. And uh, I just, like I said, I just got off of a youth camp helping, uh, you know, these teenagers learn how to lose well, how to win well. And uh, I feel like I passed the test this last weekend, but it was uh, it was a good test. Well, you're in good company, mate. You're in good company because I am a sore loser as well. I don't let my eight-year-old win at the moment. So, yeah. Yeah, I I can appreciate that. <laughs> uh, the story, the story of fatherhood, eh? The story of fatherhood. Hey, well, as we said, it's it's so good to have you mm-hmm. with us, and uh, we we want to do a little bit of a deep dive today around staffing mm-hmm. and development and team and get our heads around those sort of ideas. Because I know, obviously, in your roles, Mark, you've helped develop teams. You've looked from whether it's structures or the health of the team, and I thought it'd just be good for us just to get a few questions around that this afternoon. Mm-hmm. And uh, just explore that together because I think it really does help our, our listeners and, and and people who are watching in as well today. So maybe Nathan, if you kick that off with our first few questions on that, and that's yeah. where we're going to go. Yeah, I mean, um, the first question is, um, which is quite a good one, is how do you, how do you pick the right staff member? Like, what are you looking for, Mark, in a staff member? Hmm. Yeah, that's a great question, isn't it? Right. Um, I think my, my personal uh, just beliefs, you know, belief is that people are the key to progress. And so if you're going to, if you're going to have, uh, you know, a great organization, a great church. I mean, you've got to have great people, right? You've got to learn how to pick the right people. Uh, you know, great ideas, revolutionary ideas, vision, culture, systems, they all come from one place, people, right? So uh, if we don't know how to pick the right people, um, I don't think we're going to be able to accomplish the things that are in our heart. And so it is a deep passion for me is to uh, is to is to find and to develop uh, the right people. So uh, so I would say you know for me um, the the best way I would say I start by saying um, you know if I'm going to pick the right person, one I, I need to know what I really need in a position, and that might sound very simple. But before I start just trying to choose someone or replace someone, I'm going to take a moment just to zoom out and say, man, is this a is this an opportunity for me in this department? Uh, to maybe evaluate how this team operates. Uh, it's mm. not always a one-for-one replacement. Uh, it's not always... So I'm going to really do a deep dive into what I'm really looking for just to start. Um, 
I'd say it's probably the, one of the number one. I try to, pr- to, to promote from within the organization as much as possible. Um, you know, there's people who already know the culture. They already know the, the DNA of the organization, uh, the vision of where we're going, uh, hopefully at least if we've done our job. And uh, I also think it's, it's a great boost of morale for someone to feel promoted within, a, mm. um, within an organization. Um, I never interview alone. And so I, I always want perspective of other, uh, maybe other leaders, uh, somebody else at the table with me, uh, just to, for, uh, for some perspective in that process. Uh, so those are just a few like personal um, just beliefs and just mm. process for me as I'm starting. Uh, but once I get through there, you know, I'm looking through just like your traditional, number one, are they a position fit? Uh, so as I f- maybe I find a candidate or a potential job incumbent, I'm looking at them and saying, okay, do you have the wiring? Do you have the skill set? You know, just kind of the ABCs, right? We want to start there. Um, you know, we're not just trying to get a warm body in a position to make something move forward because we never want to rush the process. And so mm-hmm. I'm willing to wait to find the right person. So we put our feelers out there. We, we move through relationship, but I'm looking, yeah, do you have the skill set? Uh, do you have, um, you know, do you have the reputation? Uh, I'm looking at a few of those. Are you a fit for the job? And I think that's, mm-hmm where most people land. That's what most people work through. But I think that I take it a little bit further and say, are you a position fit? But then also, are you a organizational fit? Because some people are a great fit in a particular position, but might not fit within the organization at large. And I had to learn that the hard way. There were moments where I hired on people and they could do the job so well, whether it be pushing papers or being with people, uh, leading something, or you know, maybe in the accountant world. And we would, they would do a great job in the position, but they didn't fit the organizational culture. And so that sometimes was a little bit. So as I walk through an interview process, I'm looking for both. Do you have the skill set? But then also, do you fit our culture? Um, you know, so for me, uh, we would always look like in the church world, I was always looking for four things. I was looking, are you spiritual? Right? Are you relational? Are you professional? Are you adaptable? And those were just mm-hmm. the four cultural values uh, within for hiring that I felt if we if we have someone who fits these four things, they typically make it the long run in our organization. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's typically how I look is, um, are, they, are they a job fit? Are they organizational fit? Uh, and if I, can, if I can move through that interview process, and, uh, and then I always just trust my instinct. Because there's some people who will, yeah. uh, they'll pass the test in so many different ways, but then my, in my knower, you know, there's times, I don't know if you've ever been there, it's like you look so great on paper. You've answered everything correctly. But for some reason, I just cannot get a yes. Uh, and I would just advise trust your instinct. So that's typically how I, that's my process. And usually trying to find somebody. Right. Yeah, I like that. And there's some, something in that really about trusting your instinct, I think, when you say that, because you can sit with a person and as you say, and everything picks, but somehow inside, there's something that just doesn't, quite fit do you know what I mean and it takes a wee bit of courage to say actually yeah maybe you're just not the right person for this space and actually that's that's okay to do that so so let's think of this idea because you've mentioned there are those qualities you're looking for as you're picking Mm. uh, team members or you're hiring staff let's say they're in position now what are you doing or what's your experience to how you're developing those people because it's not just about the skill but it's more than that, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that uh, developing people is probably one of the highest callings of a leader. You know, that as we mm. pull the right people into the team, that we also want to take responsibility for those who are entrusted to us. 
We want to care for those. First Peter five says, as an elder in the church, right, that we should uh, that we should serve those who are entrusted to us. And so I take that pretty seriously. And you know, two ways that I, I would say is uh, is we want to we want to equip people uh, through training and through development. And so I think think with that is how do I, I personally I think how can I equip people not just professionally but also personally, right? Because your personal life is directly connected to your professional life. There's there's no separating it. Uh, your home life will impact your public life, and so uh, so I look at that when I'm uh, I spend a lot of time with my with my teams. Um, to me, it's a really important thing just to be accessible at some level, uh, at least my direct reports, and uh, to be able to spend time with them, clarify expectations, communicate, uh, be consistent with them, ask questions, check ins. So I'm just I'm making myself available and building a level of rapport and relationship credibility with them. Uh, and so I start there, but then I'm looking at, hey, how can I help develop you uh, relationally with conflict resolution, perhaps in your marriage, give you some tools? Uh, is it financial classes? Uh, is, it, is it college courses that you feel like you've just wanted to take on a master class, perhaps, where I can just help develop you some way personally that will, that will then impact you professionally? Uh, so I'm looking at training opportunities uh, consistently. Uh, so beyond that, you know, again, we'll pull in resourcing, uh, also professional training as much as we can, whether it's a seminar or a conference that we will hold ourselves, we will send them to, uh, that's, that's in the line item of the budget is we want to make sure that we're continually training, uh, but not just blanket training either, is I want to know the needs of, of the people that are on my team. Uh, I don't want to just send them to any seminar. I want to know what is the state of the person that I've brought into this team and what do they specifically need? I, I feel responsible uh, to know that and then to, to assist in that way. So I want to equip them in the training piece. Uh, and again, a lot of that is also going to come just through proximity, uh, being with me as a leader. Um, sure. I, want them to, I want them to catch it and I want them to know it through that proximity. And, uh, you know, I just, that's life on life discipleship in it, to a degree. Um, and so I'd say that's one of the main ways. Um, but then also I would say is empowerment is a huge way to develop people is I want to empower people with opportunities. And, uh, you know, I love there's a quote that I've, uh, I, I don't know who to give credit to, um, but two, two really quotes that I love is, uh, is train people so well that they can go wherever they want, but treat them so well that they never want to leave you, mm-hmm. right? And I, I think that if you can do that well, uh, people will, will stay the long run because they feel developed, they feel cared for, uh, and they're also then going to, in turn, uh, really produce something special. Uh, when it comes to empowering people, I've heard a quote that, that trust is given, mistrust is earned. And I think many times we, we usually flip it around is like, I'll trust you and delegate some authority and not just responsibility to you when you really prove yourself. And of course, we have to have wisdom, right? We have to know, okay, they, they can hold their weight here. There's, we want to be wise and, and steward well. Uh, but I think for, for me, it's delegating authority, which is decision-making power and not just responsibility, yeah. which is yeah. someone who carries out my decisions. And I think that helps develop leadership. I think that helps develop uh, a sense of ownership uh, in, in your team. And so anyway, so that's a real passion for me, developing people in that way. Yeah. No, that's great. I wonder if, um, just ask a, a, maybe a question off the back of that. So in terms of developing your team you, yeah. you mentioned at the start the whole you know like questions you're asking people questions how they're going those kind of things all of that and then you mentioned the word proximity that life on life discipleship i wonder practically like what does that look like so you know um does that look like oh i have a set 
like this is the time I'm setting meetings with these people or is it organic in the sense of we're just doing life we're around each other's houses and and those conversations happen I wonder if you could just dive into that a little bit Mark oh Nate that's a great question uh, for me the process has been uh, a standing meeting with each of the people I directly oversee every week and so we are going to have time on our schedule every week to just sit together even if we have nothing on the agenda we're going to sit down and it might just be having conversation uh, again building just relationship with that person and there are other times where it's coming in and we're having some really courageous difficult conversations uh, around uh, performance or around you know vision and uh, and so for me it's a standing meeting Typically, just with my personality, um, I end up, you know, I'm a relational person. I'm a relational leader just by nature. And so it typically ends up becoming life on life at some level uh, where our families know one another. Uh, you know, we connect. And, uh, and so I, I start with, and practically speaking, it's a, it's a standing meeting every week with someone. And that is a priority for me. Uh, it's an appointment that I, I do my best never to break. So... No, that's great. Yeah, that's a, that's a, a yeah, great answer there. And um, uh, and of course, that's a gr- good sort of uh, protocol that people can put in their own diary as well. They can say, yeah, yeah we're going to do that. Um, because I know people get busy, life gets busy, and sometimes people think, well, we'll just miss that. And there's something about, as you say, having that regular meeting yeah. week on, week on. Yeah. And, and even if you're just sitting down and chilling, that makes a big difference yeah. as well. I was thinking of that phrase that you use, or that quote. Um, it's a good quote, that one. I mean, you had to there, but the, the second one around how you treat people, treat mm. them as if they don't want to go, mm. or, or so they don't go. I, I like that. So just, yeah. just thinking of that a little bit, because that speaks to me around creating ownership within the team and within the individuals. Mm. How do you do that? How do you create that sense of ownership, not just to the task, but mm. actually to the organization as well? Oh, yeah, a great question. I. You know, well, ownership to me is a cultural value. You know, uh, culture, mm-hmm. you know, answers the question, how will we behave? Who are we going to be uh, as a group of people? And uh, so ownership to me is one of those uh, is one of those things. So uh, for me, I've always personally, the, the four laws of, of culture building for me have always been communication, demonstration, toleration, and celebration. Uh, so let me explain. I, I think for me, so ownership is number one is I want to communicate. What does ownership sure. really mean in this context? Right. As a leader here, as a uh, as a as a part of this team, what does it really mean to be an owner? Because you can ask that you could probably ask three different leaders what ownership is, and they're going to give you a slightly different answer. So for me, ownership, the way I describe it to our team is ownership is caring about the outcome as much as the owner does. I mean, mm-hmm. it, at the end of the day, I want you to care about this organization like you own it, like the buck stops with you at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, I normally use an, uh, an illustration with our team when I describe this. I say, uh, you know, we use a babysitter at times when my wife and I go on a date night. And I said, there's two types of babysitters that we've experienced in our life. Uh, there's the babysitter that when we leave and, and, and they show up and they're there to watch our four-year-old and, uh, you know, they get there and they don't really pay much attention to my son. And they might be on their phone scrolling through social media while he's like playing a game in the corner. Uh, you know, we come home and the mess that they've made together is not cleaned up. Uh, you know, they say, Hey, just, can you pay me my money? And I'm going to be out. Right. There's that kind of babysitter. Right. But we've also experienced, uh, this other type of babysitter that sometimes feels like a unicorn, really difficult to find. Mm -hmm. But when you get, when you, when you find them, you know it, right. You show up and man, they get there and they're intentional and they're engaged with my son. 
uh, man, they're loving on them, reading them a bedtime story, praying with them at night. They clean up the house that they made the mess for, maybe even do a little extra work and they come home. And then they, when we get there, they say, hey, thank you so much for allowing me just a privilege to just watch your son tonight. Like this is a true story. And I said, you know, to our teams, I said, which one of you, I said, which one do you think uh, was, the ba- was the better babysitter? You know, and everyone's like number two. And I said, do you want to know why? Ownership. I said, at the mm. end of the day, they cared about the outcome as much as I did as a parent. Very they good. cared about how my son went to bed or how he felt engaged with. And I said, mm-hmm. so number one, I want to communicate this cultural value. This is, this is a clear uh, just explanation of who we're going to be and how we're going to do things. But then number two, if I, I can communicate all day long, but if I don't demonstrate it, uh, there's no moral authority. There is no, um, you know, I become basically the weakest link uh, in that process. And, you know, we all know this as leaders and as parents, you know, that uh, people will do what you do more than what you say. And um, so for me as a, as a leader, I, I myself have to be a person of ownership. Uh, and if you know, and in my experience is I wasn't the senior lead of an organization. I was an assistant pastor, an associate. So I had to show what does ownership look like? Um, you know, I ran a Bible college for several years and I had to show them I'm as dedicated to the outcome of this Bible college, just like I owned it, even though I don't. And that, again, that, that demonstration, that example begins to bleed into a real culture of ownership. Um, the law of number three of toleration is I can't tolerate when people don't do it. I have to set expectations. I need to do it myself, but I do need to address with courageous conversations when people are unwilling to have an ownership mentality and care about the outcome as much as the owner. Uh, so again, those courageous conversations are difficult for a lot of leaders. My nature is not very conflict oriented naturally. Uh, so I've had to grow and true and choose this is to sit down with people and say, Hey, I've realized uh, there's a real lack of excellence here. I've realized that when you show up, you're not giving your best. You're not showing up and taking responsibility, you know, for this area. And so I'm going to give you the opportunity to change that, you know, to change that behavior, to take ownership, or just by nature, you're choosing yourself to, to have yourself leave uh, from this team. So toleration is a big piece of it. And then lastly is celebration. Probably every leader knows this, is that you just need to publicly celebrate those that you see taking ownership uh, on your team. And that's probably one of my favorite parts, to call somebody up in front of everybody else and just publicly celebrate Man, have you seen the, the and give specific examples on how they took ownership and how they, um, you know, did the things that we're asking them to do? And again, whatever mm. you celebrate gets repeated, and you begin to see now there's a culture of something. This is a natural way of doing it, and uh, and so that that's one of the ways that I like to build a, an ownership mentality within uh, an organization or a department. Really great, awesome. yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that uh, example of the uh, babysitter. And uh, I'm thankful we we found a unicorn for our babysitting. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do not let that person go. No, no. This even this morning, even this morning, they were around at our house, and I've come back, and they've done the washing up and folded clothes. It was like, <laughs> wow, come on. Um, but no, what a yes. great what a, what a great example. But you mentioned there around um, courageous conversations and um, the idea of mm. conflict, and um, I wonder if you could touch on that whole area. Uh, of uh, you know maybe a staff member being in the wrong position or the wrong place somebody underperforming and then also whether you could touch on your journey of uh you know getting to that place of being able to 
you know, do those conflict, those courageous conversations well. Uh, like you said, there, you you know, you weren't, you, you 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 know, you didn't like conflict. So how did you get there? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, yeah, you know, when somebody uh, isn't on the team and they're underperforming, you know, they're, uh, you know, they're just not where we can all agree, not where they should be. Uh, my process has been, I start with me. You know, I start with me as a leader and I say, okay, have I led this person correctly? Have I given clear expectations? Have I trained and resourced and developed this person? All the things that we just discussed, have I, have I really put those things into practice? Uh, because at the end of the day, I want to take ownership and I want to be responsible. So I start with me and I, I try to evaluate some of those processes. Now, if I have done that and if I have executed to the best of my ability and we feel we've given all that we can give, um, you know, I, I really think a courageous conversation, and this is what's helped me a lot, is that a lack of courageous conversation, uh, an avoidance of conflict is actually a disservice to the person on your team. Because at the end of the day, someone who is consistently underperforming in a department, trust me, they know it. <laughs> they know that they are underperforming. And no one, no one enjoys a role that they are bad at. <laughs> like no one enjoys a prolonged season of doing something that they know they're underperforming in, right? But most people themselves don't, don't have the, um, you know, the, the, the ability or maybe sometimes the courage themselves to have that conversation. Mm. And so even though they themselves would like to transition, they themselves would like a different position. Maybe they themselves would like to move from the team. It's difficult for them because change is scary, right? Uh, uh, mm -hmm. To have maybe a salary or to, um, to be known or they don't want to let other people down by making that transition. So I, I see it as a service to the team member to sit down with them and say, hey, you know, we've noticed some of these things. We're walking through this process. And at the end of the day, we don't want you to be in a position that you feel like you're not thriving it. So... Mm -hmm. I look at uh, maybe number one, are they, are they just on the wrong seat on the bus? You know, maybe they're, maybe they're yeah. supposed to be a part of the organization, but they're sitting in the wrong seat. And so I'm, I'm going to start doing a little bit of a dive into, let's talk more about your passions. Have things changed or shifted? Uh, we evaluated that skill set. Maybe does it fit better over here? So we don't want to just cut people loose, but we want to start with how can I serve you and start looking, is there a better place in the organization? And if there's not, that's okay. If they're called maybe to another um, type of profession or a different organization, again, maybe not a, they're not a great organizational fit, but they were a great position fit. If some of those things are the reality, I see those courageous conversations have come from the perspective of, let me serve this person because by avoiding conflict, they're going to suffer in the role and then the organization is going to suffer in the role. No one's going to be happy. So I've seen it that way. I, I think a courageous conversation and conflict actually can be very uh, building of a relationship. It can be building for the organization and not, uh, it can be constructive and not destructive in conflict. And so, uh, so that's been my process through there. And I think that's helped me to sit down and say, if I really love and care about this person, the way that I say I do, then I'm going to set some of those tensions and feelings aside and I'm going to love them well in this opportunity. Great. Awesome. Well, it's been great to have uh, Mark with us and it's been great to have you uh, join us on the Church Explained podcast. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe wherever you're consuming this content. And also don't forget to check out icon.church forward slash open for loads of free resources for you and your church. And we look forward to seeing you next time on the Church Explained podcast. We'll see you soon.